Even if you haven't made it to one of the workouts at SoulCycle, you've certainly heard of the legendary spin classes by now. The boutique fitness brand that turns stationary bikes into an elevated ritual and exercise now encompasses nearly 100 locations nationwide. At the helm since 2020, Evelyn Webster has cultivated a culture of openness and transparency among her colleagues. Coming from the UK after a successful career in media, she's working hard to ensure SoulCycle Studios embody the same welcoming atmosphere they've had since day one, keeping the community engaged with the brand as it scales. Even now, when Evelyn needs to reset, you can find her sweating it out on a bike, undergoing the mental and emotional shift that only the most stellar workouts can achieve. Take a listen. Evelyn, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very happy to be here. So I would love for you to give a little bit of your background of how you sort of navigated corporate America, having many different roles, media, and now CEO of SoulCycle, which is quite a switch. Um, and I'd love to hear how that, how that path occurred. Of course. So um, you may be able to detect from my accent, but I'm British. And uh, I came to the States about 12 years ago on a two-year contract. So um, failed monumentally to complete a two-year contract. And here I am 12 years later, uh, very much um, still in love with New York and the States and have had the most uh, incredible professional journey whilst I've been in the States, actually. So um, as you noted, I made the switch from media to SoulCycle about 20 months ago. But uh, prior to that, 30 years in media, a media career that started in the UK, of course. Um, I was the CEO of a major publishing company in the UK called IPC Media. It was acquired by Time Warner. And that was my kind of connection with the US and uh, Jeff Bukas, who was the CEO of Time Warner at the time, uh, was very keen for me to come over and work for a Time Inc. Um, and it was in, it's an interesting move, actually. I, I often describe that move as, uh, as somewhat reluctant, uh, by, by which I mean I was a reluctant transplant into the States. I was quite happy in the UK doing the job that I did. That's where my family, my friends, my life my network were, I had proven myself. Um, I'd been at that company at IPC Media for 16 years before I came to, became the CEO. Um, and so it was all terribly familiar. And so the prospect of, of moving to the States and going to what was essentially a completely new and different company in a different country was was quite um, daunting. And um, I have to say, I didn't embrace it with open arms. Um, that changed very quickly when I came here and I learned a lot about myself. Um, I had to recreate a network and a, uh, you know, make new friends and uh, professional acquaintances. And I almost had to prove myself again, which um, at the age of 40, which is what I was when I moved to the States, um, I, I didn't think I was going to have to prove myself again. And I, and I did. Um, and it worked out. And I was, you know, I was blessed to do that. What, what did I discover? I discovered that you know, we may we may share a common language, but there are many, many differences between British and uh, people and American people, uh, how we do business, how we conduct ourselves culturally, um, points of reference, you know, cultural reference, very different. Uh, and so it was a journey and I and I hadn't expected it to be quite as different as it was. I, I expected it to be more the same rather than more different. I remember Jeff asked me to do a presentation when I 
you know, I, would, I was only at Time Inc. for about six months when I first moved over here. He said, do a presentation about key differences. And I started by saying we actually speak a different language. Um, the reason that I found that to be such an extraordinary uh, period and phase of my life was because, because I did succeed in, in doing it again. And uh, I think many times in life, particularly perhaps professionally, sometimes we look at, in the mirror and think, was that a fluke? Did I do that? Did I achieve that? Because I was lucky, um, because I had the right mentors, the right people pushing me and supporting me, because I worked with colleagues and had friends and family that um, facilitated the journey that I've been on. And so moving to a different country, uh, to a company that, I'd never, that I didn't know, had no history or, or um, track record with, doing it again, uh, it was both, as I say, it was quite daunting in many ways, but also immensely satisfying because I was able to look in the mirror and say, look, I've done that again. And then, of course, I jumped from Time Inc. and I, went to, I joined uh, The Guardian, which, of course, you will know is very, uh, it's British newspaper uh, um, founded in Manchester in the north of England. I happen to be from the north of England, but that's not the only connection that I have with The Guardian. Um, it's a phenomenal brand, does phenomenal work joined that um, uh, brand in 2016 just as Trump had been elected in the States and I felt that there really was a very strong need for a brand like The Guardian here at that point in time, the outsider on the inside, so to speak. And then after four years at The Guardian, again, kind of um, having to prove myself all over again, I guess, um, I decided that I was at a point in my career where I wanted to do something that gave me joy. That, that was prompted by a dinner that I'd had with a friend. He said, what gives you joy? Soul Cycle was, is, a, is a brand I admire enormously, was a community that I was an active participant uh, within. And I saw that they had a, a, an opening for a CEO. And so it took some persuading, but I did persuade quite a few people that I was perfectly qualified to do the job. And here I am, 20 months later, um, enjoying very much the, the journey and the challenge that we no doubt um, have uh, have found ourselves in, given that we're operating a fitness and a retail experiential business in the midst of a pandemic and all that that has meant. Um, it feels like the third time that I've had to prove myself all over again, and I'm very much enjoying the challenge. So that's 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 how I find myself at Soul Cycle, and that was my journey. And every day is a uh, an opportunity to learn something new about not only the business, the brand, the people, the colleagues that I work with, the community that I work in, but about myself, which has been quite an interesting journey. So when you decided to transplant yourself to the U.S., did you have fear with, you know, um, the American way of business and what you were going to run into or the challenges that maybe you hadn't dealt with before? I was... Such a good question, Rebecca. It was, uh, I was ridiculously naive. I mean, I literally thought, so, so of course I had done business in the States before. I, you know, by this point, my, the company that I was running in the UK was owned by Time Warner. We were working very closely with our publishing colleagues, you know, um, at Time Inc. So it, it was, it, it wasn't entirely unfamiliar. Lots of trips to the States, lots of presentations uh, to our American colleagues, but, but perhaps somewhat naively, I thought I was moving. And, and I literally thought, well, we speak the same language. It's the same business. It was a magazine publishing business at the time. Of course, we were going through this huge digital disruption that so many ind industries have, have been through and have had to navigate. But I thought, oh, you know, there are more similarities than differences. So I stepped in somewhat naively thinking, oh, there is more that is similar 
than that is different. What I found very, very quickly was, oh, actually there are more differences than there are similarities. Right. Literally from the language that we speak, the things that, you know, I remember being taken to one side quite early on in uh, whilst when I joined Time Inc and being told, you know, you, you, oh, I, I'll give you an example. I joined in January, right? And um, in January the UK, of 2020. January of 20, oh, uh, yes, of 2020. That's right, 12 years ago. Uh, January 2020. And of course, in the UK, culturally, irrespective of your religion, your uh, background, anything, we, 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 we tend to say happy Christmas. Merry Christmas, happy Christmas. I joined uh, Time Inc. in January. I was brand new to the company, meeting an entirely new team, new colleagues, new executive leadership team. And, and you know, I was trying to be all friendly and make friends. And I would say, did you have a nice Christmas? It was like just a conversation opener. Right. And I was, very, I was very quickly taken to one side and said that that's not appropriate. We don't, that's, you know, you're, you're, uh, there's a religious inference when you said uh, uh. We celebrated Christmas. That's not what we say. We say happy holidays or did you have a happy holiday season? Uh, And I I use that as one very small, but one of many, many examples of things early on that really stopped me in my tracks. And and at that point, I realized there is more different. There are many more differences than there are similarities, perhaps. So language was a big difference. Culturally, uh, quite different in many ways. Uh, you know, Americans do have a perception of British people, and I perhaps do not necessarily fit in with that um, notion of you know a British person being terribly reserved and not speaking their mind. And I, I'm the opposite of that. I speak my mind all the time. It gets me into all kinds of trouble. Um, but also, our business, the the the, the operating model at timing was very very different to the United Kingdom. I'll give you an example in magazine media, which is what we were essentially in at the time. Uh, in the United Kingdom, they make all their money from consumers walking into a news agent, a local news agent on their corner, the corner of their street, and buying a copy of a magazine. So every week, uh, we are competing for consumers' attention time when they're standing on a newsstand. Of course, in the United States, magazines make all their money from advertising revenue. So it was like the, the opposite. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so everything was different. And that's why six months in, Jeff said, why don't you do this presentation to the leadership, the, you know, the top a um, few hundred people at Timing can and talk about the differences between IPC and Time Media and the UK and the US. And, and I started with language. I give lots of examples of the, the things that we say that have completely different meanings in both countries. But I, I taught through the business model, the way of operating, the cultural uh, references. And I apologized in advance if I had offended anybody because it was genuinely not intended. It was just a misunderstanding. So as I say, I came very naively thinking that we were very much alike, only to discover, actually, that there are many quite key differences that I had to learn quite quickly. And so having cut your teeth at time and then, you know, switching to soul cycle, and then the pandemic starts, mm-hmm. you're already in a different world, different language, different way of doing business, and then a global, you know, global impacts so many businesses, but especially fitness. What did you do that first week? And how did you and how did you cope uh, and lead the team? So um, what did I do? So so any business, uh, any brand, any company is only as good as the people that are in it. And so I spent the first week in this role at Seoul in the midst of a pandemic, 
the same way that I would spend my first week in any organization, which is getting to know the people that make this brand and this business what it is. And so I am very much a people person, I'm, by which I mean I love connecting with the people who make this brand what it is. And so I invested more, way more than the first week, but the first three months going out and meeting, or, or actually I met everybody on Zoom, I should say. So in my first uh, couple of months, we were still very, very much deep in the pandemic. And so I was meeting all of my new colleagues um, via Zoom. But I, I really went out of my way to meet as many people as possible, whether that was in person, if I could, but largely by Zoom. At every level in the organization, in every market in which we operate, in every function, irrespective of level of seniority or, or tenure with the organization. Because I felt, having been a consumer of Soul Cycle and having been a member of the Soul community, that gave me one very powerful perspective um, from the rider's perspective. But I really needed to have the perspective of the of my new colleagues. And so I invested a huge amount of time listening, listening to what they had to say about the business and learning from them because they have ha, had and ha, still have a huge amount of insight and institutional knowledge that date back to when this company was founded 16 years ago. And so I spent, as I would in any organization, I spent a huge amount of time talking to my colleagues to understand what they love, what they find frustrating, what opportunities they feel that we could unlock, getting to know them as people, because at the end of the day, we spend a lot, huge amount of time together. We work together very closely. We all work hard <laughs> at SoulCycle, you know, whether you're an instructor or a member of our studio team or in a support team, in facilities, bike operations, finance, where everybody is working terribly, terribly hard. And so spending time getting to know them on a somewhat of a personal level and making them realize that I was just a human being, just like them, uh, trying to do the very best thing for SoulCycle, for the team, the people, the brand, the business. Uh, that was really important. So, so, and hearing them express their concerns, giving, allowing them to voice any issues and concerns that they had had, given that by the time I joined, we were nine months into the pandemic. So that so they had already um, been through quite a lot before I even got here. So just giving them the time to get to know me and get to know them. And, and I very quickly realized that even though this Soul Cycle is this extraordinary brand in a completely different vertical or different industry to, to anything that I had experienced in the past, of course, there were so many things that we do have in common, which is this phenomenally strong brand that had built up such resonance with this incredible community of riders. I mean, since I joined SoulCycle, what I've often said is our community is our superpower. In the midst of a pandemic, um, our community held firm, held strong. We pivoted very quickly to operate outside during the first summer of the pandemic. At our height, we had 30 outdoor activations and our community came together in the most extreme weather conditions. So it could be absolutely freezing cold. I, I, I remember when I first joined SoulCycle, riding in uh, many, many different layers and with a puffer jacket and padded trousers because it was so cold outside, to a sold-out class. Um, from that extreme to riding when it's really, really very hot, uh, and you know, during the height of the summer. So, so our 
Our community really is our superpower, and, and that has what has kept SoulCycle strong and resilient throughout this pandemic and, and long into the future. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So I'm curious to know, my brand is about the same age, I guess you could say, as SoulCycle, 17, 18 years old. And it feels like in order to stay relevant and on trend, you know, it's almost like you have to work harder because you're not the new thing on the block. Yeah. So how do you approach that and, you know, keep SoulCycle fresh and exciting and people coming back to it, especially now with fitness being, you know, its own animal. And there's like the zillion, you know, just like there's so many handbag companies now, you know, there's zillions of different fitness opportunities. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's an excellent question. And you're absolutely right. When we started um, 16 years ago, SoulCycle was a real pioneer in the boutique fitness space. And, uh, but you know, that something is true today that was true 16 years ago when SoulCycle was founded And that was that it was founded by identifying incredible human beings, either our rock star instructors or the incredibly hospitable, charming studio crews that welcome you when you walk through the door of one of our 82 studios across the country um, and, and also internationally. That has remained as relevant and resonant today as it was 16 years ago. That that sense of coming home, and and that's why going it goes back to this kind of feeling of community, really. So, how have we stayed relevant today? We feel as welcoming today as we did 16 years ago. It still feels as if this is a brand that is where our our riders are in are as invested in the community as we are. And it's that keeping strong together that has proven to be extraordinarily resilient over the last 16 years. And, you know, whether we all have our favourite instructors and our, you know, our riders will 
typically follow their instructors wherever their instructors teach. And that means traipsing from the Upper East Side down to Hudson Yards or from the financial district up to the Upper West Side. Our, our riders, our, our community members, they will follow their instructors. And so this is a brand that's built on feeling, on, on human connections, on building a relationship with the brand, with other riders, with other members of your tribe amongst your favourite instructors. And frequently riders will have, you know, two or three or four instructors that they follow um, quite seriously wherever they teach. That, that familial connection between Seoul and its community has been the very thing that has ensured that the brand is as as I say, as, as relevant and as resonant today as it was 16 years ago. It obviously gets harder the bigger you get um, because as you scale a business and SoulCycle is a business that is now a, a, you know, a very significant uh, business with 82 studios, when you scale a business, of course, what you have to work really, really hard to do is to retain that familiarity with your community. community. And that's where we, where we put, place a lot of our time, attention and focus on how do we keep the community feeling close and connected and invested in Seoul and what the Seoul brand is all about whilst we are operating this huge company that's operating at, at scale across so many studios. And I guess that is the one of the biggest challenges that we face. But as, as we have scaled and, you know, my predecessors before me and, and now me, that is really what we focus on. How do we keep the community as deeply engaged with the brand as we possibly can? And that goes beyond the bike and it go, because it goes beyond, beyond the bike and to the relationships that they have with, as I say, the studio crews and the instructors that they follow. You know, I think the struggle with mo- most corporations is the lack of intimacy that occurs as you scale and grow. And everyone wants to hold on to that you know, I'll never forget when we had four employees and I was like, we're going to be together for the rest of our lives. And then the first one quit a couple of years in and I was like, felt like, I, you know, a family member was leaving. And now we've, all, you know, we've been at a size of 110 employees to let's say 22 during the pandemic. What do you think your secret to keeping that connectivity and, and community has been? Well, I should say that we haven't always got it right. Um, <laughs> when you got <laughs> it wrong, what did you do? And of course, what I have to say is I've been at SoulCycle for 20 months. And so I've kind of, I joined like nine months into the, the pandemic. And so uh, still a relative newbie. But um, I too hear so many of my colleagues talking about the good old days. And uh, I often joke that, that there are many ghosts in this company and that, they, you know, they left a long time ago, but it's the ghost of these previous um, managers that, that continue to linger at, at SoulCycle. But what do we do? Here's what I do, and which is I give all of my colleagues ample opportunity to speak to me as a human being. And so I know every, every leader says, oh, I've got an open door policy, but I actually have an open door policy. And, and um, I'm very fortunate that I've got many colleagues who are extremely confident and forthcoming and fe- feel very comfortable reaching out to me, either to have a one-to-one or when we do these monthly um, roundtables or all hands, you know, where we all get together, uh, feel very comfortable speaking out. And that isn't always the case in every company that I've worked at. 
Um, it hasn't always been the, the case that your colleagues feel comfortable to express their opinion, um, whether that's in a positive way or a negative way. Oftentimes, people feel more comfortable expressing positive than negative, of course. But at SoulCycle, our instructors, our field employees, our HQ employees feel very comfortable telling me anything at any point in time. Giving them a voice, giving them a forum where they can express their frustrations, that things may have changed. I have heard the word corporate. We've become corporate bandied around quite a bit since, um, you know, certainly at the beginning when I first joined SoulCycle. But all, all you can do is provide a forum for people to express and vent. And then with real, with, but with sincerity and transparency, explain we are no longer a four, five, ten studio business. We are now a significant business that is responsible for many studios and many, many, many um, colleagues and teammates across the organization. And when you are operating at scale, that demands that you operate in a slightly different way. That doesn't mean that you lose any heart. Uh, it doesn't mean that you lose your soul. Um, it means that you just operate in a slightly different way. And I, I have found in having those open, honest, transparent conversations, not everybody likes it all of the time, but understanding the why behind certain decisions can often um, diminish the sense of, oh, we've become very corporate and we've lost, you know, what was soulful or, you know, the essence of soul back in the day. And just by being transparent and giving people a platform to voice their concerns. Yeah. And where do you go to refuel? I'm assuming the answer is a soul cycle class, but <laughs> are there other places you go to sort of reset? Do, do you know, I, 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 you, you, you would expect me to say nothing else, of course, but genuinely soul has always been the place where I've reset and that has not changed since I joined soul. So yeah, I will go to a class. I, I don't know if you've experienced soul cycle yourself. I have. Yes. Good. Okay. So then, that, and, and then for, for all of your listeners, they will who have experienced it you know it's a there is there's this reset that happens uh, it doesn't happen in every class every time but there is this breakthrough moment which for many people can can mean a feeling of euphoria uh, 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 oh my god i can rule the universe i've just I'm, i feel so powerful oftentimes it can be a watershed moment where they feel quite emotional and it really open i mean that is the that is the joy of Soul Cycle, right? You come for a workout, you stay for everything else. The everything else is that you can have this mental shift, this emotional shift, often for many a spiritual shift, whilst you are going through this phenomenal workout. Um, that still happens for me at Soul Cycle, and um, that's why I'm so happy to be here. What else do I do? I run. I, I run. So I, I, I just recently started training again. Um, <laughs> I used to be a big marathon runner. I'm laughing because I could not run a marathon if you asked me to tomorrow. But I, there is something I find very calming about running, just, just the, the, the repetitiveness of running enables me to clear my head. I, I feel as if it's almost a meditative experience when I run. So I, I, also, I run as well as ride with salt. I love that. I love running. It's what saved me during the pandemic. I would just say, I got to get out of this house. I got to leave these children. Let me run. Exactly. So two questions I like to ask all my guests. Is there a piece of advice you'd like to pass on? Either you learned it the hard way or someone gave it to you and it actually was helpful. 
pay it forward, by which I mean I have had, I, I feel extraordinarily blessed to have had the opportunities that I've had in life and in, and in my career. I didn't plan it this way, but I've had some extraordinary individuals who have helped me enormously on my journey. And um, it was interesting, you know, I, I, I said at the beginning when we started chatting how when, when I first left the UK and moved to the States, I, I realized very quickly, oh, it doesn't matter what I've achieved in my career up until this point. I, I'm, I'm at kind of ground zero. I've got to start again and I've got to prove myself again. And having mentors and uh, people who have supported me here in the States when I first moved here 12 years ago has really helped me navigate cultural differences, corporate differences. And so I say to, I, I invest a huge amount of time now um, mentoring and coaching other executives who are on their career journey. And I say to every single one of them, because everybody's always super delightful and very thankful that you've invested some time. And I say, well, I'm only doing it for you because people have done it for me. And I, and I encourage you to do the same. So always pay it forward. Pay love it forward. That. I love that. And then what would we be surprised to know about you? Can be a habit, a quirk, just something that people would be like, would never think that that would come out of her mouth. I am the youngest of six children. Wow. Um, and I am, and unfortunately, neither of my parents are alive. I am extraordinarily close to my siblings. I have, I'm 53 now, I say with pride. I've never liked children, but I am now a great aunt. And um, you like them? And I love them. Oh my I have, gosh. At 53 years old, I've fallen in love with babies, particularly oh. <laughs> great nieces. I love but, that. I love that. Well, thank you, Evelyn. It was so refreshing to hear your energy and your approach to business and how you dealt with the pandemic. So thank you so much for being on and continuing to keep the, the torch alive at an incredible company. Thank you so much for having me. Hopefully I'll see you very soon. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. I just wanted to thank you guys for listening to today's episode. I also want to ask you to rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. I know it's a pain in the butt, but it actually helps with search and algorithm. So if you love this podcast, it is an easy way to get it more visible and out there. I also want you to follow me on Instagram at Rebecca Minkoff at RM Superwomen and be sure to check out my book, Fearless, The New Rules for Unlocking Creativity, Courage, and Success. Thank you again and you will hear from me next week.